This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now let's jump in to another episode for all of us who lead from the middle, from the second chair for the second chair. Welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Clark, and I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second, and I'm so glad you've joined us because likely I'm in a spot just like you. I'm leading in the middle somewhere in my church, trying to just do it right for for God, for the kingdom, uh, for my church community, for my pastors. And every episode we have here is to equip local churches everywhere to raise uncommon leaders. So if that's you, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Before we jump into the interview, we have a second chair leader, Jesse Rodriguez, who's gonna give us five ways to give feedback. So let's listen in. Leading Second Tribe. My name is Jesse Rodriguez, and I'm a location pastor at Champion Center in Yakima, Washington. Fun fact, destination, vacation. Trust me, you want to be out here. Just kidding. Don't take my word for it. I do love my city and my community, and I get the honor and privilege of serving under Pastor Kevin, aka Coach K, and Pastor Sheila Gerald at Champion Center. And uh, one of the things I have near and dear to my heart is all about coaching and developing leaders. And I know it's true with all of us. And what we're going to talk about today is five ways to give good feedback. Let's go right in. Number one, establish relational investment. I'm sure we've all heard the saying, don't shoot the messenger. I say that often, which means to not unfairly blame the person giving the bad news as the one to blame. We can't control the way people receive the feedback we give them, but we can control how we give it to them. There's nothing worse than a critic who critiques someone without knowing the person personally. And the same is true with feedback. Feedback should be given by someone who is trusted and has a relational investment with that person. This allows for the guards to be put down instead of being put up. Make sure the right person is giving feedback. Number two, remember Feedback is coaching. You need to remember this. It's not correcting. Aside from my personal preference with the word coaching due to my athletic background, feedback fundamentally should be viewed as coaching. Even though the aim of coaching and correction is all about positive results, the method of delivery is completely different. Correction can be viewed as domineering and belittling, while coaching personally comes alongside you every step of the way. Better yet, a boss gives correction while pastor coaches development. Remember, we're in the people business. Pastoring and shepherding people is what we do. Number three, don't overwhelm, simplify. There's nothing I enjoy more than checking things off my to-do list when it's two to three items, but make that seven to 10 items. And the first emotion that hits me is being overwhelmed. Feedback should be consistent of one one or two items at a time, max. Even though there may be another three to five items that you can provide feedback on, only give one or two. 
Too much feedback at once can be very overwhelming and it doesn't result in progress, but it results in stagnation. Allow the person to get some wins under their belt and to make some progress. Once those one or two items have been addressed, you can share another one or two items of feedback. Remember, there's only one way to eat an elephant, a bite at a time. Number four, make it a two-way street. Communication doesn't always consist of talking, but also listening. Make sure to not only relay information, but to also listen. Give the person an opportunity to talk after you've given them feedback. It's in those moments of listening that we learn the most about people. Now, I know this is something that I've had to learn. I need to listen, listen, listen. All coaches know X's and O's, but great coaches also know their players, and that only happens with listening. Feedback is a two-way street. And last but not least, be clear. There's nothing worse than leaving a meeting with unclear direction. Unclear direction creates uncertainty, which leads to no execution. Feedback is only effective when it's been stated clearly. Habakkuk 2.2 says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. Simply put, feedback should be clear and simple, that he who receives it can make adjustments, which leads to improvements. We got to continue to work on our feedback because when we execute and when we give great feedback, the leaders around us will continue to grow. For today's interview, we are honored to welcome back for a second time, Clayton Baird. Pastor Brandon sits down with him and they talk everything, leadership, health, affirmation, and identity. I really think you'll find this conversation very helpful, insightful. Get your notes ready. Let's jump into the conversation. Well, Clayton, welcome back to the Leading Second Podcast. How are you today, man? I am great, man. I'm so just grateful to be back for a second time. I guess that means I was okay the first time. You get an invitation back. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> it was brilliant. Uh, yeah, but the, the invite back is the highest compliment. So, no, in all, in all seriousness, um, I just felt like when you were talking and when you were on here last time, man, you just, without even knowing it, spoke so much of the DNA and heart of this ministry. So we're grateful for you, grateful for your voice and how God is using you at your church um, we are, you know, this season just focused on second chair voices, which we've had a mix of people before, but this year is from the second chair for the second chair. And so I was excited to have you back, but we're kind of getting to know everybody at the beginning of each episode. So I have a couple questions for you to jump in with everybody today. Uh, first of all, I love hearing this about leaders. I would love to hear what it was like for you on the day you felt called into ministry or, or how did you get your start? I guess in ministry. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, um, so I, I grew up in a pastor's home. Uh, if I'm being honest, you know, kind of growing up, uh, in the high school years, not really super involved in the, in the church, wasn't really serving in a particular area. I went to school at Anderson South, uh, in Anderson, South Carolina at Anderson university. Uh, I was playing basketball there. Uh, I was attending New Spring Church back in those days. Um, Mm -hmm. It was actually held on the campus of our university. And uh, I came home one night from uh, basketball practice. I went into my dorm room. Uh, My roommate was uh, a Christ follower as well. And I turned the TV on and he had a uh, Hillsong Church uh, DVD, like a worship DVD. 
in, um, in the player. And so that's like what I saw. And I, I, wow. I knew a little bit here and there about like the music coming out of Australia. And, uh, and at the end of the worship DVD, there was this promo that ran for their Bible college. And mm. all I can say is as I was just in that dorm room in Anderson, South Carolina by myself, I just felt like the Holy Spirit speak to me in that moment. And the Holy Spirit was just like, you need to go to this school. You need to go to Bible college. And this is what I'm calling you to. And, um, and so I literally, it just hit me I, as I watched those people worship in that DVD. All I can say is it just looked genuine. I believed it. Um, it was a lot of young people, a lot of people who looked like they were my age who were engaging mm. in, in the worship and participating. And so, uh, I was just drawn to it. And then the promo ran and I felt like God spoke to me. And so literally the next day I called my parents and I was like, I feel like I need to go to Bible college. And, uh, and being pastors, wow. they were like, this is amazing. This is yeah, great. Yeah. Oh my God. Praise <laughs> God. And then I was like, yeah. And it's in Australia. And, uh, they were just like, okay, that sounds expensive, but, um, we figured it out. And, and so that's what I did. I went to Bible college, uh, over there for three years in Australia. And, uh, people asked, how did you get your start? Uh, I, I started by setting up and stacking chairs, uh, in venues and so that's what I did before service. I was a part of a team that would set up, uh, you know, whatever the, the venue was. And then at the end of service, we'd clean up, vacuum, stack the chairs, all that kind of stuff. From there, I had an opportunity to lead a small group of 11th grade students um, while I was serving in Australia. And, uh, and then slowly some worship leading opportunities presented themselves. Uh, I was a worshiping creative arts student. And uh, came back to the States, got married, got hired on to serve at a free chapel in, in Georgia with Pastor Jensen Franklin. Uh, that was an awesome opportunity. So thankful for that opportunity. Uh, got hired on to do worship there. And then the preaching kind of just fell into my lap randomly one day when there was a need. And I was just asked to kind of step in and help out. And then that's kind of when God started to well, preaching and teaching things. So long story short, that, that's how it happened, man. You know, I've always thought it would be a brilliant title for someone to write a book about their start in ministry called Stacking Chairs. I just have always, I always thought that would be like really great uh, be, because I just couldn't, I couldn't resonate with that more. Um, that That's awesome. And I had no idea you led worship, by the way. I'm just finding that out now. That was my first, I, I was a worship leader uh, from the jungle, wow. what I did. And then, and then, like I said, uh, in Georgia, one time there was a need uh, for someone to help preach to the students and the young adults. And so I kind of got tapped on the shoulder and I was like, all wow. right, I don't know how good I'm going to be, but I'll give it a shot. And um, and then slowly but surely the preaching kind of took off and the worship leading kind of just yep. became secondary. So, yeah. So I actually started as a worship leader as well. And I always I always kind of uh, figured I got fired because I aged out, you know, it's like I was over, I was over 26 or something, you know, so it just doesn't work, I guess, after that. Uh, anyways, we'll, we'll move on. Um, what, what are you loving most about this season of ministry and the church you're part of? I think, you know, what, I mean, I think I, I would hope a lot of people would answer this way. I think the thing I love most is obviously just the people. I think it's the relationships and the friendships that, that you have. We've been here in Jacksonville, Florida now for over 10 years. And so I just love the people that have become friends and, and that mm. we get to serve alongside. Um, you know, it, truthfully, like I'm, look, I'm, I'm all about excellence as much as, you know, the next guy and, and making sure things are presented in an excellent way. But truthfully, 
it wouldn't matter to me if we were meeting in a multi-million dollar building or in somebody's basement. Like, I just like the people. I just, I, yeah. it's the people that I like to be around. And I think it's, it's great people that make church life-giving and fun and, and, and enjoyable. And so, and then past that, I just, I really do love our city. I love our city. I love where God has us. I love this city, have a heart for this city. Um, I think there's that old question that a lot of church planners get asked. Uh, I know some of my friends who have planted churches and the question is like, you know, would you live there even if you weren't pastoring there? And right. it's supposed to be maybe like a good, then maybe, maybe you're supposed to be there. And so, um, and I, and the answer for me is yes. If, if, even if I wasn't pastoring in Jacksonville, I would definitely live here. I think it's great. And so I think God has definitely knit our heart to the city and, and mm. I really love this season for that. Yeah. Every time I see you on the golf course, I'm going to pray God calls you to a snowy climate <laughs> is what I'm going to pray. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be actively praying on that one. <laughs> um, what is the first thing that you do every morning? No, that's a, it's a good question. Um, okay. So I don't know if anyone's going to think this is weird, but the first thing I do in the morning, I'm, this is no lie, no exaggeration. The first thing when my eyes open is I say, good morning, Holy spirit. Um, it was mm. years and years ago. I heard Christine Kane say something about along those lines about, talking to the Lord first thing in the morning. And so literally I open my eyes, I say, good morning, Holy spirit. And then to, to maybe make it a little weirder, like just under my breath, kind of even in my head and to myself, I just, I say the line from that, like Brian and Katie Torwalt song, Holy spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place yeah, with your atmosphere. Uh, you know, and, and I just, I sing that line. And for me, it's just a moment. Wife's still asleep most of the time. And it's just a moment where I feel like I'm just once again for this day, God Beautiful. come and fill our home fill our space, fill my heart, you know? Um, and so it's, it's definitely a moment of thankfulness and gratitude. Um, and I'm pretty OCD. I'm pretty type a. And so I will not touch my phone until I have talked to the Holy spirit. Like it's, it's so ingrained in me now yep. because it's very easy to want to you know, obviously reach for your phone and start, start your day. But, uh, but that's what I do, man. Talk to the Holy spirit, kind of recite the words of that song and, uh, and just thank God for another day. Beautiful. I love it, man. I love it. Uh, last question. What is an influential podcast or book other than the Bible, uh, that has impacted your life and your leadership journey? So I saw, I saw that you might ask this question. And so I, I actually brought them. So I have a couple. So one of my, one of my all time favorites is dynamic spiritual leadership, J Oswald Sanders, phenomenal mm. book. Uh, it, it specifically hones in on the life of Paul uh, that is a phenomenal book that has really just helped my leadership grow. Um, one of the one of the first foundational books I read as I was starting in in ministry and stuff like that was Furtick. I think it was his first book, Sun Stand Still. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I just I love this one so much because it it did it made me think bigger, it made me dream bigger. Um, and and yeah, I mean if if Joshua can pray a prayer and God does that for him, what prayer could I be praying and having such huge faith for? And so that book was awesome as well. And, and then what I just finished was Craig Rochelle's Dangerous Prayers. Um, this is one of the best books on prayer that I've ever, I've ever read. Um, Craig does a great job at just giving a lot of very practical advice. And, uh, and it's just, it's really good. And so those were just three that I was like, man, they were on my shelf. I looked over at my shelf and I was like, right, let me grab these three. Oh, and I'll say this. You'll probably know it every year. Every year I read A Tale of Three Kings. Yes. By, by Gene Edwards. Um, I read it every year. Because I think it just, it's a good book to help reset you as a leader. Because mm. oftentimes like, you know, you're trucking along and we're all like, I'm David, I'm David. And sometimes you got to be like, is there any soul in me? Is there any, yeah. 
Yeah. So, and that book always brings me back to like a good heart check every year. So, yeah. You know what? That's a phenomenal idea. I'm going to do that because that's that's got to be like, first of all, required reading for anyone entering ministry. Uh, but man, what a great idea to read it every year. Also, do you remember when uh, Stephen Furtick preached for 24 hours when he released Sunstand Still? Did you watch that? Yes, I remember it, dude. Elevation <laughs> has done those things a lot. Those are amazing. Hour amazing. Dude, that's a lot of work, but yeah. I remember oh yeah. I, I remember we were in like our first apartment and we, we like watched a lot of it, like up not up late at night and then early the next morning. And I was here for it, man. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. I loved it. It's a great book, man. It really stirred my faith. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So for today, Clayton, where I wanted to go with our conversation is I wanted to have a conversation along the lines of leadership health. Uh, but more specifically, I want to talk today on the subjects of affirmation and identity. In other words, where are we as second chair leaders receiving our affirmation and our identity? This is a big issue to me personally. I've, I've noticed this over the years, but then under the pressure of the last couple of years, I feel like I've seen this come to the surface more in second chair leaders that we've coached. And I've observed that we all have the vulnerability or the, the opportunity, if we ever take it, to misplace where we are looking for our affirmation and our identity. I think we can look for it from our lead pastors. I think we can look for it from the crowd. I think we can look for it from fellow staff members, maybe the the ones that you would want to notice what you're doing or the ones that you would, you know, that would help you to get something done or it could look a lot of different ways. But to me, when it's misplaced, it just becomes a really dangerous place for us to be as leaders. And I wanted to start the conversation with you and ask, first of all, have you observed this tendency in leaders or even in yourself? 100%. Yeah, I mean, and definitely it, I, I, I've seen it in myself. Uh, I mean, I'm going on, uh, I, I started ministry kind of vocationally back in really like 2006. And, and so, you know, what is, I don't know, what is that? I was 16, 17 years or I don't know what that is, but I'm bad at math. And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, and there's definitely been moments where I have, uh, mis misplaced and misput and directed, misdirected my, uh, where I need to be receiving affirmation and identity from. A- absolutely. Just personal confession. I, I thought of this maybe primarily because I'm the chief of sinners, you know, like this is, th- th- this was very much a part of my journey. It, it took me years and even someone giving me language, I think to realize that I wasn't fearing God as much as I was fearing man. And, and I was, I was looking for that. In, in the wrong place. And so that could have been the pat on the back after a job well done. I think primarily it was, it was to my, my pastors because they are my, um, heroes, you know, they're my spiritual dad and mom and that's all fine and good. And I, I really celebrate the relationship that God has given me with them today. Uh, but I think for a lot of years without anybody knowing, I, it's like, I, I looked for a level of affirmation from them that wasn't right. And so then when they would have to correct or when they would have to instruct, it would crush. And, and it just took me a while to realize it and have language for it. So maybe someone 
listening today, maybe as we're talking, this will give you language for something that you're dealing with that you didn't know you were dealing with. And maybe this will let the Holy Spirit shine a light on something. So let me ask you to help me diagnose this. Like, why is this dangerous? Why is this important that we talk about this clean? Yeah, I think, you know, so for me, for me personally, I just, like, I just thought of this, like one of my, I think my primary love language is words of affirmation. Mm. And so, um, so there's something about when, when an encouragement or, or when, you know, when affirming uh, praise hits your ears for some people, that is how they feel love and, and, you know, and feel embraced, so to speak. And so, um, so if that's your primary love language and, and God isn't speaking audibly to you, then, yeah. you know, you, you would have a tendency to want to get that from other people. And sometimes if you grow up in charismatic Pentecostal services, sometimes it's just the sound of people clapping in your message. That's right. Sometimes it's just the sound of hearing people say, amen, that's good, pastor, preach it. Or maybe it is the sound of a first chair leader who's acknowledging you and giving you some praise. And then it becomes like that dopamine hit. And then you want it more and more and more. And so, um, so yeah, someone like me could potentially struggle with that more if that is a primary way that you you feel loved. But I think, you know, in regards to this, I've I've really observed two things. The first thing I think is that like we 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 have health, affirmation and identity problems when ministry becomes performance. That's you're mm. always going to have these issues. I, I did like a social media thing the other day, and I, I talked a little bit about this because when the sanctuary becomes a theater, the congregation becomes an audience, when worship becomes entertainment, and when people's pl- applause and approval become our measure of success, you will begin to have identity and affirmation problems. Because at the end of the day, wow. you know, we would all hopefully believe this like the, the, the church is not in the entertainment industry, pastors aren't CEOs congregants aren't customers. Our primary reason for singing is not album sales and chart topping hits. Uh, like the reason we gather together is we're a faith community of like-minded, like-spirited believers. Our primary reason for worshiping, uh, is, is to glorify God. Right. And then we're, we're gathered together to be equipped through the teaching of the word so that honestly, we can just be obedient to all that God's commanded us to do until he returns. But, but when we start to build our churches off of a corporate America playbook, we're going to get corporate America results, which is picky customers, demanding investors, opportunistic employees. But when we build it the way God's called us to build it, then, you know, we, Hey, we might just end up with disciples. Right. And so, um, and so I think about this, if, if you have, if you find yourself maybe knowingly or unknowingly, if you've stepped into like a performance driven mentality where I need to perform for affirmation, then you are, you're struggling right now with your identity. You're struggling with your, your spiritual health, uh, because that's not, that's not the model in the system that the Lord set up for us to actually operate in. And, um, and, and some people that's, you know, I, God forbid someone is, is, is saying something or not saying something based on what they think is going to be received a certain way, you know, like, right. If, like, right. like, like I would hate for us to get to a place as communicators where I'm, I'm not going to say this bit because I know that that's not going to stir up the audience and I, and I won't get the affirmation. And so I'm not, I'm just going to pass over that, but I'm definitely going to say this bit over here. Cause boy, they're going to love that, you know? And, and so it, we, we got to wow. obviously get past a lot of that. And I thought about old Testament prophets I mean, think about like some of these Old Testament prophets when the like Lord right. comes to them and he calls them, like a lot of them struggled with it. And they're like, don't know, choose somebody else. Because it was like, they knew back then that like being a mouthpiece for the Lord, you're not going to get a lot of applause. You're not going to get a lot of handshakes and people loving you. Like yep. generally when the prophet spoke, a lot of people didn't like what he had to say. And so, um, 
And so they struggled with their yes. Now, thankfully, those those Old Testament prophets, they said yes, and God used their life. But I, but there was a struggle because they knew the weight that came with being a mouthpiece. And yep. um, and I think we just got to get back to some of that. Not that everyone has to have some uber prophetic gift, but just yep. as mouthpieces for the Lord, we have to understand that like everything you say is not going to get some round of applause, but it doesn't mean that that wasn't a good thing to say or that the Lord didn't give you that thing to say. But um, we got to step out of all that to say, got to step out of the performance-based system because it'll kill you. So well said. And, and, you know, the church is the moral compass of a nation, right? And, you know, I don't think that somebody listening needs to feel the need to go out and, you know, write a post tomorrow on something happening culturally or in politics, just because they see another person doing it, you know, um, on the flip side, when God is asking you to do something and to say something, uh, my pastor did a message earlier this year called courage for our people. And, and he just kind of said, like, I don't, I don't need you to do what I'm doing, but if God asks you to say something, if God asks you to go somewhere, then you do it and, and you respond in obedience, realizing that we're actually called to lead in matters of conscience and, and that our, our world, though they might push back and though we might be called fools along the way, um, our world desperately needs a moral compass and that's the church. And, uh, so anyways, just a little side note there. I think, I think you said it er just earlier. I think the second thing that contributes to this is spiritual father problems and issues that, Mm. you know, and, and that's why if, if, if there was ever a moment to speak to first chair leaders, I I think it should just always be brought to the first chair's attention that what the first chair celebrates will elevate. And so if, if a first chair leader, senior pastors, if they primarily celebrate and give honor to, um, superb preaching gifts and itinerant guests and influencers and people with massive followings, then don't be surprised when your staff, men and women want to do that, because at the end of the day, they're just perhaps trying to be what they see you a brilliant. And so doesn't mean that they have a, Oh, look, look how prideful the staff person is, man. They certainly think they're bigger than they are. No, no. They're, they're probably just wanting to do what they see you giving a round of applause to. Now it doesn't, it doesn't make them right. And and they ought not do that because I mean, the Lord brings our affirmation. So I'm, right. I'm not giving them a pass, but I think if first chair leaders were more aware that what they affirm is what those behind them will try to mm. esteem to, then that can also help uh, bring health back to, you know, those individuals, man, that's brilliant. And side note, we are working on some first year conversations. Uh, hopefully could talk about that soon. Cause I, th- I think we have to be talking about it in those spaces. I think that's brilliant. Matthew chapter six and verse 22, God, God showed me something the other day I thought was, was really special. Um, and maybe it was just for me for that day, but Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter six and he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, the whole body will be full of light. In other words, your eye is a lens and what you see and how you see, uh, determines the health of your light and that your body will be full of light. And I dug just enough to find the the word in the Greek that means the word full of light. An interesting note about it, that that word is only used one other time in scripture. 
and it is used uh, to describe the transfiguration of Christ, used to describe the, the, the revelation of the glory of God. And I, I just kind of wonder, like, if your eyes are good, imagine how Jesus can reveal more of himself to you. Like, if you're looking for affirmation in the right place, if your lens is good, imagine, like, the health that, that Jesus can bring to your life, you know, and the spiritual renewal he can bring in his glory revealed in you and through your ministry, you know, so, so I, I problems, like we have to pay attention to them lens problems. We have to pay attention because they really determine so much about our spiritual health. 100%. I was thinking, you know, when it comes to identity, I always go back to, um, that moment in Genesis three, right? The fall and the serpent comes and, you know, he asks the question, did, you know, did God really say, you know, and, and that's what Satan does. He, that's how he often challenges us, right? With, with sly and crafty questions. He did the same thing to Jesus. Um, and what was it? Matthew chapter four, uh, when Jesus is in the wilderness and, and Satan immediately attacks identity. If you really are the son of God, right? That's an identity attack. And so, um, but in Genesis three, there's that moment when, um, he's tempting Eve and, and Adam there. And he's saying, uh, what he says, he says, Oh, like, if you do this, you, you will, you will be like God. That's what he says. You'll be like God mm. knowing good from evil. But if you go back to Genesis one twenty six, the Bible says that we're made in his image and in his likeness. So, so watch this. The enemy was promising something that they already were. And so truth be told with our identity, wow. listen, if your identity is not found in Jesus Christ. You may spend your entire life trying to become something that you already are. And, and that's wow. why the affirmation in the identity needs to be found in Jesus. Like, like in Christ, you're affirmed in Christ. He, you, you have his identity. You're a son, you're a daughter. Right. You've been brought into the family of God. How silly is it? If you're still out here hustling, trying to win some type of approval and God's like, I look, I appreciate you working hard, but I don't know why you're working this hard for identity when you already have it. And so, wow. uh, and so I always go back to that Genesis passage because that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get us to hustle for something that we already have in Christ. If we'll just remind ourselves that that's where my identity lies. One of the days where the lights went on for me in this was a day where I realized, and maybe it just hit my heart in the right moment at the right time, but I realized that I was rich in Christ and not poor. And what I mean by that is I think for some reason I had lived the early part of my ministry thinking about the opportunities I didn't have or, you know, the, the position I didn't have or, you know, and so when, when you live out of that lens, if that is your lens, you view ministry through lack and you view yourself as poor and I do believe God meets us, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I, I believe that, that God meets us and God comes. And that's the nature of the gospel is to come to that space. Um, but he calls us out of that space and he calls us to. And it was like I realized somehow that day that I'm actually rich in Christ. The, the, the life I was saved out of. You know, that my life would be in a gutter if it wasn't for Christ and and how imperfect my life has been. But that Jesus didn't stop there, just like, you know, Peter 
denying Christ and immediately Jesus saying, no, not only did this not disqualify you, I'm, I'm, I'm not only just going to reinstate you, I'm actually going to make you quarterback of the team and I'm going to build the church on your shoulders, you know, and like, isn't that the goodness of God, you know, to, to, to meet us right in that moment and not just show us mercy, but grace us. And so I just, it was like, I realized I'm actually rich in Christ. And when I started living my life out of the richness of God, and I started seeing myself um, through the eyes of of um, the blessings God had given me and the richness God had given me rather than lack, it changed everything for me. I stopped seeking things uh, versus before in my heart, whether people knew it or not, I was chasing them. Yep. Dude, that's, that's, that's so good, man. I 100% agree. I think that, uh, when, when, man, when identity is not found in Christ, like it's your, it's just, yeah, you, you start chasing. I mean, I think chasing is the word you start chasing. That's why I was talking about just you, people try to perform, uh, you, you step into a performance ministry and you even mentioned like your, like that salvation moment. I think it's easy. You got to take yourself back to that salvation moment because like your performance didn't get you saved. Right. Like my performance didn't wash my sins away. My performance right. didn't make God love me anymore. And, and, and so if it's not my performance that saved me, then let's not drag how good I perform into whether or not I'm affirmed or I'm, I'm, I'm brought unto God as a son or as a daughter, or, or if he's happy with me today, or if he's not happy with me today, you know, like all this kind of stuff, like, does he love me today? Does he not love me today? Um, and, and, and so because that's what happens, man. And there's too many Christians, I think, who are running around trying to gain the approval of God with their performance. They're trying to even gain mm. the approval of man with their performance. And um, and when you do that, the only thing you're ever going to get is tired. That, that's it. You're just going to get exhausted. <laughs> uh, you're going to get weary. Uh, you're going to get drained. Because think think about this. If, if you want to live life that way, you will always be able to find someone that is outperforming you. Oh, wow. Yeah. You'll always be. And, and so no matter how good you're doing, maybe you have a week and you're like, I'm crushing it this week. I'm performing so well for the kingdom. All you got to do is jump on social media and you'll find right. someone outperforming you. And now you're back into not feeling affirmed, not feeling, not feeling good about yourself. Oh my gosh, I'm behind. I'm, 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 I, and, and, and now you have all of these negative feelings toward yourself because someone else is quote unquote doing better than you. Um, and some people, here's what I've learned too, man, no, no matter how well you perform, some people will never give you the affirmation that you seek, no matter how good you're doing it. That's right. So think about how silly we look then that we're, we're trying to gain the approval of man and it doesn't matter how good you are. They're just never going to give it to you in the first place. And, and that's why God looks at us. And I think God, you know, he just like, just come back to me, just come back to me. And I, I was thinking, I think that's what when you look at what was in Matthew like 11, around at the end of Matthew 11, when Jesus says that famous line, uh, come to me, all who are labor mm. and are heavy laden, and I will, I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Um, it's like Jesus knows, which he does, like, come to me, be found in me, have your identity in me. I, I will give you the affirmation that you seek. And in return, here's what you get, rest for your soul. Mm. Mm. don't want to come to me. If you don't want to be found in me, if you don't want to have your identity in me, then your portion will be stress and anxiety and heaviness wow. and exhaustion because the wow. only way you're getting rest is when you come to me. And truthfully, as followers of Jesus Christ, particularly pastors, first chair, second chair, pastors and leaders, we should be the poster child for rest. Mm. So many of us are not 
because we're caught up in a different system of trying to gain approval. Wow. Well said. I have a question that I think leaders could ask themselves on this subject. When you leave a room and you've been around people or you've been around your team, what are they thinking when you leave? Are they thinking about how awesome you were? Or are they thinking about, you know, how awesome God is? You know, are, are, are they are they feeling like a million bucks? You know, I, I actually started to become aware of that the last few years that like when I walk into a room, spend time with people. And then when I leave, what do they think about when I leave? If I leave the impression of, wow, look how great Brandon is. I'm leaving the wrong impression on people. I'm, I, it's, it's like I'm, I'm drawing people to myself and more than likely that's going to come out of a need for affirmation or do when I walk out of a room, people are thinking, wow, what an awesome God we serve. And, and how privileged and how blessed am I to get to do what I get to do? You know, like, what's your residue? Jesus would ask his disciples, who, what, who do they say that I am? You know, and he was aware, like I think all good leaders are about the, 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 the thoughts that people were having about his leadership. And, and I just wonder what are people thinking about when they leave your presence? And I, I want people to so focus on Christ and on their call you know, affirmed in, in their ministry call and what God wants to do in and through them um, rather than about me. Like, I'll let God take care of me, you know, and... and It's a great question. I think the, a great question is, like, am I willing to be overlooked and forgotten if it means that this person can grow ooh, in Jesus? There you go. Can, can this person... Yeah, like, and, and yeah, and that's... that's uh, like can 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 my what who cares if if they never remember my message or my one liners but they left and they were they they grew and they were equipped to Great. love Jesus more and want to serve him more am i okay with that um because because if there's any part of us that says well no i kind of want them to remember my message title and that and i i mean i spent time <laughs> trying to make that line rhyme i would really appreciate it you know like then obviously maybe there is still a need that you're putting in in people yeah. to, to serve you that affirmation great because yeah, if you can get to a place and you're like, I don't care if they remember my name, I don't care if they remember this message or or my fancy, you know, how I articulate it or whatever. I just want them to love Jesus more, love their families more, serve their spouse better. Uh, that that's a great healthy place to be. Beautiful. Okay, let's land it. I want to ask you this question: What's the difference between pleasing man and honoring God? And how can you tell if your heart's inclined in the right direction? It, when you read Paul, you can kind of, it almost seems there's a moment where he contradicts himself, right? So like Paul has this moment in Galatians, first Thessalonians, where he says, you know, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ, right? So he has this moment where he's like, not here to please men, I'm here to please Jesus, right? But then he has this, this other moment where uh, like, what was it, around first Corinthians, I wrote it down here. Uh, oh yeah. When, when he talks about give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not wow. seeking my own advantage, but, but that of many that they may be saved, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. So you have this moment where Paul's like, I'm not here to please men. I'm not here for your approval. I'm here for the approval of God. And then he says to the Corinthians that I'm actually here to please everyone and everything that I do. So if you read that, you're kind of like, Paul, what are you, what are you doing? What, what that's, that seems very contradictory. And so I think there's this test. There's like an effective test for people pleasing. 
because I think that there's a, an appropriate way that the Lord would have us try to please people and then an inappropriate way. Right. And so I think that the question is like, is our striving to please people like at its deepest level, is this striving to please ourselves? Like, is it, is it to garner some type of praise or to make myself look better or, or to put someone in my debt or to earn a new opportunity or a promotion or to be loved? Or is the striving to like freely serve someone else because of how you've been served by Jesus? Mm. Like, would I still love in this way if I got nothing in return? If no one but God ever knew what I have done, like, would I still love like this? And I think that like what Paul is saying is he's, he's striving for people to be pleased in Jesus, like to, to actually trust Jesus, obey Jesus, enjoy Jesus. And so like he's saying, like with everything that I do, I want people to be drawn to, to Jesus so that they can be saved. And so, and that's why I always go back to that question of like, is my desire to, to please people is the desire that they would be like how I'm serving them. Are they pleased? in such a way that it makes them want to now receive Christ and serve Christ with their lives? Or am I serving them so that they'll be pleased with me? Mm. I, and then I, in return and getting some type of, uh, you know, benefits and it's serving me as well in some way. And so, uh, so yeah, I think that that's, I think that's the difference. The difference is, and I guess in short, I know I kind of rambled, but in short to answer the question, pleasing people or honoring God, here it is. I think it's, it's all about who gets the glory. Beautiful. There you go. If the question is a question of glory. And if at the end of the day, you're getting the glory, then you are pleasing people for the wrong way. But if, wow. but if what you're doing is pleasing people and God's getting the glory, well, then that's a good way to please people. So, yeah. So good. That was brilliant. Thanks, my friend. Let, let me ask you one final question here. And I've really, really loved this conversation today, by the way. I think this is going to be life for someone listening. Um, I'm really drawn right now to the verse in Hebrews that says we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. You know, I'm sure that throughout history, people have drifted away from Christ. I, I've seen it happen throughout my life even. But this last season, I've seen a lot of drift I think this is one area where people can drift and experience drift. And the dangerous thing about drift is you don't know you're drifting uh, right, right away. It happens very slowly. It happens very incrementally. You just kind of look up one day and realize I am not where I thought I was going to be. And so we can all be prone to experience drift. And, and I think this is one area where we can drift. So give us an anchor, I guess, to land the plane. Give, give us an anchor, maybe a place in scripture or a thought. If this was someone's struggle, you know, with, with finding and, and securing Christ as the source of their uh, identity, their affirmation, um, how would you pastor that person? Like, what would you say as an anchor to them? I mean, I guess I would just... Great question, by the way. I would just double, I'm doubling down on Matthew 11. I'm doubling down on come to me and he gives rest. Uh, because I just think it's, it's the only way to operate. Like I, I you got to remind yourself, like, like when we come to Jesus, right? He, he extends rest. Our identity is found in him. And, and that's, if you're struggling with identity and affirmation problems, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to overstep, but but perhaps you've stopped coming to Jesus. 
and and you need mm-hmm. to come back to him because you've you've obviously been going elsewhere to try to find you know mm-hmm. fulfillment for those needs that you have right and and so I'm doubling down on Matthew 11 I think it's the end of like I said around verse 28 29 maybe uh and and come to him and and he gives rest right and I and honestly day to day man I think the a way to help you stay healthy and not having these problems is like, here's what I've done in my life. Because like I said, I've struggled with this before too, just like many people, like reminding myself that I am loved because of who I am and not what I do. Mm. Like I, I am clay bared. I am more than what I do. And my worth does not change based on my kingdom productivity. Mm. And so, but some people, they, they assume that it does. And they assume that, man, I, I was more effective for the kingdom last year than I was this year. And so, man, maybe God's disappointed in me. Maybe God needs me to do more. And, and I just don't think that's, that's what the Lord, like, of course he gives us gift and, and purpose and, and he, and he, and he has things that he desires for us to accomplish and be useful in the earth. I mean, first Corinthians 12, right. Where, where the body of Christ, we each have a part to play. Right. Of course, there's things that he wants us to do. Uh, but, but I'm more than what I do. And at some point we actually got to start believing that stuff about the body of Christ that like, and, and here's, here, think about this, think about the body of Christ stuff. First Corinthians 12, like maybe, maybe your part changes year after year. Maybe, maybe in 2019, Hey, I was the I, and I was a very visible, important quote unquote part of the body. But maybe next year God leads me into something else. And now I'm like the big toe on the foot. Right. And you're just like, right, right. man, I kind of like being the I better, you know, like, but, but you got to remind yourself, like, my part's valuable no matter how visible or invisible the part is. I mean, that's what the scripture tells us. And so you got to remind yourself that, um, that, like, I'm coming to Jesus. He's given me everything. And then, and then be self-aware enough to realize that everything, and I mean everything in this world that we live in, wars against that very idea. It wars against the idea of rest. It wars against the idea of wholeness because here's what the world says. Like Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. The world says, if you're resting, there's a hundred people blowing right by you on the ladder of promotion. Like the world world says, don't rest. The world doesn't like rest. And if you're operating the world system, you're not going to like rest either because you're going to feel like you're behind and others are beating you. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Rest is a good thing. Come to me, be found in me, have identity in me, and, and I'll give you rest. Because I love you no matter how productive, quote unquote, you are for the kingdom right now. I love you because you're my son, right? And and you and I, you know, we have children. We know what it's like. I, I love my kid. If my kid never, you know, whatever, does anything uber spectacular, like I, he, he's identified with me because he's my son. And so it's not, it's not based on his performance. I don't kick him out of the house because he's not performing well. Right. So, and I think intrinsically we know this about God. Um, but sometimes life is life and, and we get a little out of sorts and, and we kind of get away from the, the basic principles from time to time. So good. So good. Clayton, I appreciate your voice. I love your spirit. Thank you for leading second well in your church. And thank you for adding value to our tribe today. Uh, we're better, we're better for it. And we're grateful. And this, uh, this is such a good podcast, man. And I've, I've already got some other people hooked on it. And so I know that it's really benefiting and, and ministering to a lot of people. So I'm just grateful to have been invited back. And so I really appreciate it. <laughs> but Hey, to the person listening today, if this you know episode has resonated with you and you're still listening and a half hour into this sucker, you obviously needed something from the Lord today. Let me just encourage you you today that, um, Jesus will be kind and faithful with the side of your life and, and he will meet you 
in this space if you'll come to him if you'll bring it to him and 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 you don't stop running to him draw near to him he'll draw near to you i believe that'll be your story in jesus name god bless you leading second For more information, check out leadingsecond.com. Follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.